told that I, he told me to preach on, on the passion. We were dividing up the retreat a number of years ago. And I asked him, like, how long should I, should I preach for? Because that's not a, that's not a, the problem isn't, like, how long you can preach for. Uh, he said, well, just, just get going. Just, like, start preaching. I was like, no, no, but give me a limit. Like, how long should I preach for? He's like, no, no, just, just, just preach. Just preach. And uh, I ended up preaching, I think it was, like, an hour and, like, 45 minutes. And then afterwards, unbeknownst to him, something slipped out from, like, the, the memory bank. And he, he comes up to me and says, why, did, why didn't you stop? Anyway, <laughs> so uh, today I was, uh, I was talking to Sister Kelly and I asked, like, how, how, what's the schedule like? How long am I supposed to preach for? It's like, uh, 40 minutes, right? And she's like, no, no, 20. I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll be quiet sooner. Today I wanted, I wanted to share when we at the, um, uh, with the Shields, Ro- Rose Shield, where is Rose? She was, I thought she was here. Anyway. She was around, but I remember we, I remember we were mentioning, uh, she was giving us, I was asking her, uh, how is it, how is her process of discernment? And she was sharing how she had, she had been with the sisters, she had discerned, and the Lord had given her the immense grace of knowing that she was supposed to, uh, supposed to uh, get married. But it's beautiful because that's a grace. Like, whenever, like, all of you who are already married, it's a grace to know your vocation. It's a grace. And her name is, is Rose. Is it Rose or Rose? I'm like, Rose, right? Okay. So, Rose, there's a, there's a passage that I found, I think it was later that day that I was, that was uh, from Sirach, and I think it was worth, worth sharing. It's from Sirach chapter 32. I'm going to check it right now. Probably you have Bibles in front of you as well. Maybe not here, but upstairs you will. So, good to have the scripture. (coughs) Not 32. Chapter 39. It says... The idea of this passage is bloom where you're planted. We have Father Bloomer with us as well, his <laughs> Joseph. I always call him Bloomer. I, <laughs> Father, Father Bloomer, uh, Father Joseph, I always, he's always been Bloomer to me. So I love, I love the name. I think he's, he's a guy that always puts a smile on my face. So this is a passage which I also showed to him. It says, the idea is bloom where you're planted. And if we're, all these days we're talking about Fiado en ti, me meto en la refiega, trusting in you, I jump into the battle, I leap into battle. I think it's good to understand what we mean by leap and what we mean by go into battle. Because it's not a battle which is in some distant area. It's important to recognize and to get very, very clear that the battle is here. Like precisely, I have to bloom where I'm planted. Because sometimes we can be tempted to thinking that, oh, if I didn't have six children, if my husband was not this way, if if the, the friends I had around me were not this way, things would be different. Things would be... Well, no. <laughs> Each of us has to bloom where we're planted. So this is a passage which helps with that. This is Sirach chapter 39, verse 13. I'm just going to read it off, and then we're going to explain it. We're explaining just a little bit, then later on in, in prayer, the Lord can explain to you things which are much, much more important than anything I can tell you. 
Because the one, it says, as St. Ignatius says for spiritual exercises, the one who gives the retreat is always the Holy Spirit. Like we can plan and plan and plan, but the one, it says, uh, it says in scripture as well, the, the plans of the mind are, are man's, but the words of the lips come from the Lord. He is one who has the last say in what ends up getting said and what ends up getting edited. So it says here, this is verse 13 of chapter 39. Listen to me, O you, my, o you holy sons, and bud like a rose growing, growing by a stream of water. Just listen to that, that first idea. Bud like a rose growing near streams of water. I don't know if you noticed, well, you probably have noticed this, I'm a fan of the home of the mother. You might have, you might have guessed that one. I'm a fan of the home of the mother, and I'm a fan of like all the commitments of the home of the mother. I think they're excellent. I think they're excellent commitments. And I'm a fan of the home of the mother not because, not the commitments, not because I'm a member of the home of the mother. I'm actually a fan of the commitments of the home of the mother because they're right. Like they're, they're go good. I remember I had a, a, a priest in Opus Dei. I remember at one point he said to me, look, I'm not a fan of like Thomas Aquinas because Thomas Aquinas, because I'm, I'm a member of Opus Dei, I'm a fan of Thomas Aquinas because he's right. And it's the same, same thing, same thing. I'm a fan of like the commitments of the home of the mother because they help to grow spiritually. In other words, the commitments help you to be planted by streams of running water. So you want grace? Go to the sacraments. Go to daily mass. Notice how the commitments, they start off as like, you can't ask someone to go to daily mass immediately. Well, actually you can't sometimes. I remember Father Henry with the girl, it was her, it was her first Holy Communion and in front of everyone, she just put her on the spot and said, are you willing to go, do you want to receive Jesus every day for the rest of your life? She's like, yes. Are your parents willing to bring you every day to daily mass? Looked at the parents and the parents were like, yes. Well, then I challenge you to bring them and to go every day for the rest of your life to daily mass. And she has been. She has been. The reason I say this is because, like, daily mass, it's interesting. Sometimes you read, sometimes you read, uh, you read books. Uh, like, typically you try to, like, read, like, the book that's, like, the shortest book possible. I remember once I went up to Father Raphael and, like, do you have any uh, short book on, on like Masons. This is what I was like interested in. I was like, like Mason, like what are the me? Like what are, he's like, he says to me, point blank. This is Father Raphael for you. He's like this, it's great, I love it. He says, I'm not afraid of, of big books. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, I, I, I am. Big books like scares me. Anyway, just to give you guys an idea, I've read, we kind of read like thicker, like we're not scared of, he actually like cured me from that. Like with that phrase, I, I've read several big books. And I remember one, this recently, a couple summers ago, I was reading the, the Life of St. Ignatius of Loyola. So it's actually a very thin book. He wrote an autobiography, good to know. He dictated to a friend, and it was actually really short. It's like a 50-page autobiography, maybe less, maybe 35. It's great, great read. But there's also a version of it that comes with footnotes. So the footnote version, I think, is over 500 pages. So you'd have like a phrase, and then you'd have like three footnotes, or sometimes just one footnote, continued from like the previous page. So I was like reading the book and I was reading the footnotes. <laughs> yes, I'm a geek, I admit it. You know, I've gotten over the fact that like these are just, this is the way things are. And if I find time, I do things like that. Anyway, I was reading the footnotes. One of the footnotes, first of all, Ignatius of Loyola, he was actually blonde. So I usually paint him like blonde. They usually they paint him like bald and with only white hair or gray hair at best. 
Uh, so he was blonde. It's one of those details you find out when you read like 500 pages of footnotes. Uh, the other detail I found out, which I thought was even more important, uh, was the fact that he, in one of his letters, says how, I don't know why everyone doesn't go to daily Mass. As far as I'm concerned, the first Christians went to Mass daily. He's referring to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 42. He's like, I just, uh, the first Christians did it. Why doesn't everyone go to daily Mass? And at that time, you have to remember that there was also a lot of Jansenism, which is like, uh, scrupulosity on steroids so like you don't receive the Eucharist because you're not worthy and you're not worthy like look if it was a matter of like who's worthy none of us would ever receive him ever you know it's we receive him on a daily basis because he is the fountain that's going to make us bloom he is like the best thing that's ever happened to us and his blood is nourishing I, I love how like when you're a priest like almost everything you say is like an understatement so this is that last one was, was one of them Look, the, uh, here's the phrase. Listen to me, O holy sons, and bud like a rose growing by, stream, by a stream of water. Bud like a rose. See, sanctity, like when we talk about apostolate, apostolate is not, apostolate is not a, how to say this? Uh, it's not like a badge that you put on every once in a while. It's not like a badge, like, okay, I'm on apostle. Like, you put on, like, a special, like, shirt, and, like, okay, now I'm apostle. Like, I'm in apostle mode, you know? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Apostle is something that grows from the roots. In other words, it's something that, it's a flourishing, it's a natural uh, uh, homogeneo. It's a flourishing, which is part of who you are. In other words, it's a flourishing. It's, like, it's, like, it's not like an icing on, on the cake or on the, on the ice cream. It's something which flows from who you really are, from something which is authentic. And uh, with like, the whole thing of like, from flowing from where you are, it says here, that's why the whole thing of like, having the roots uh, bud like a rose growing by a stream of water. So, like, the commitments of the home, like, the commitments to, like, prayer, don't think of, like, the prayer. I remember I used to ask, like, as a spiritual director, I'd ask the people who I was directing, have you completed your prayer? That was, like, one of the first, like, have you been, have you committed? But recently, I've changed. Recently, I've changed. Instead of saying that, I've, I, I say, uh, have you been faithful? Because it's not just, like, you have, like, a checklist. But I know, I know I never thought of it like a checklist. Okay, one, okay, pause. Checklists are important. <laughs> okay? Just to give you guys an idea, this is something that Father, I don't know, this is not like, this is not supposed to be like a correction of spiritual directors, but Father Raphael told us, the brothers, like when you're, when you're doing spiritual direction, make sure they're praying every day. And he told us to do like a checklist. I don't, let's see if I have one here. He says, make them do something like this. This is like my... So have a, a, like a, a box, like a one, just a little, give them a little piece of paper and give it to them, like right in front of them, like the first time you're with them, and do like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the top. And make them, every day of the month, make a check when they have completed all the prayer, their prayer commitments. So like, especially the 15 minutes of prayer. Like make sure they do the 15 minutes of prayer every single day. And if they miss, like if they miss a day, well, they, sh they don't need spiritual direction. They need a kick in the butt. Yeah, 
He's like, don't waste your time giving them spiritual direction if they're not praying every single day. That's, that's what he told. That's not like a verbatim quote, but it's actually really close. It actually might have been even more like explicit, violent, but that was definitely the idea. That was definitely the idea. In other words, he's saying, like, make a checklist. Like, these things are things of the, you can say, oh, that's something of the home of the mother. No, no. If, even if I wasn't a priest of the home of the mother, I would be preaching this. You have to be, even if your spiritual director like, doesn't make you do that, you should be on top of those things. Because that's how you make sure that your roots are by the stream of water. Like we don't pray, I don't pray, I don't go to daily mass because I'm a member of the home of the mother. I go to daily mass and I pray because I need it. <laughs> I need to have those roots. I need, I need contact with the scriptures. I need to read the lives of the saints. I need to be enthusiastic about sanctity because this is the reason, this is the reason I'm on earth. Like, this is, like, what else are we doing here? Like a home of the mother is a way of being a saint. It's a path and it's, a, it's, part of, it's part of that dynamic. Listen to me, all you holy sons, and bud like a rose growing by the stream of water. Notice this. Notice how it's first talking about being planted. Then the next phrase is, send forth fragrance like frankincense and put forth blossoms like a lily. Okay, for those who don't know, these are like little details of scripture which are so exact for spirituality and which are, can hit home. First of all, he says, he wants to send forth your fragrance like frankincense. Do you guys know how frankincense, do you know what we use on top of, for incense? It's often frankincense. In other words, the, what the scripture is saying, it's saying you're apostolate, you're supposed to send forth fragrance based on the fact that your soul is on fire. Like you go, you have it, you're, you're on fire, you're steady with the prayer life, so you have a heart which is burning. In other words, your time in prayer, like what we're going to do upstairs, is supposed to be a time of making sure that the fire is lit, that you're in love with God. Look, I don't, you're supposed to like, I'm not going to be like examining your thoughts. Thank God, like Google can't do that yet. But you're supposed to be examining your thoughts and make sure that your thoughts are about love. Like when you're with him in the shrine of the Blessed Sacrament, it's supposed to be a time of excessive love. Like if you're, if you're, it's not lovey, like, it doesn't mean like lovey-dovey, it doesn't mean you have to like, everyone has their way of expressing, but it's supposed to be about love. Like it's supposed to be on fire. Your time of prayer isn't supposed to be, like, you know when, when like the apostles are sleeping? That's the opposite of what's supposed to happen in a time of prayer. I'm not saying, look, some people need to take siestas and that's a good thing. Okay, I'm one of them. That's a good thing. If, you're, if your spiritual director your, or your doctor tells you to take a siesta, you take your siesta. But normally not in prayer, unless you're told to. <laughs> That's not normal, though. Not normal. But time of prayer is supposed to be a time of intense love. It's interesting. This is one of those things you learn when you're a geek. But the word for, the word for uh, bar in Hebrew is one of the most common words for prayer. And the word for, uh, that word is also the word for boil. Yeah, that's right. Boil. In other words, when you're, you're supposed to be in... in uh, when you go to prayer, you're supposed to be boiling. You're supposed to be like a coal on fire. You're supposed to be it's something which is very intense and very beautiful as well. There's a phrase of St. Of Peter of Alcantara. He says how when you're in prayer, uh, you can sometimes have distractions. But usually like when somebody is like in prayer as they're supposed to be, distractions are lessened. Just like, like a fly does not go where there's boiling water. Like it does not stop on the boiling pot. It just doesn't happen. I don't know why, but it doesn't happen. There's a, this is not, this is not happening to me. I have distractions. Thank God. It probably keeps me a little bit better. But there, there's a, there's one of those, one of those saints. 
like nobody visits in, in uh, Stanislaw Koska. There's, there's a moment when the Jesuits, they come up to him and it's like, they say to him, yeah, I'm going, I've gone through a time of like distractions in prayer. And he says to him, what are distractions? Think about that. He didn't actually, he literally did not know what distractions were because of his way of praying was like so intense with the Lord that he literally did not, he had never experienced distractions in so many years that he didn't know what they were. That's not normal, eh? That's like, that's not normal. Don't, don't be like, don't get depressed on me. It's like, just like, bloom where you're planted, okay? So, uh, so put forth your fragrance like frankincense. Now, this is your apostle is supposed to be, like a lot of times when you're with, when you're with people, that apostle, that overflow is the result of like prayer. A lot of times the, the way you say things is because you've prayed about it before. Send forth fragrance like frankincense and put forth blossoms like a lily. For all those who know about like botany, like lilies, like there's roses, especially the roses in Holy Land, by the way. Roses in Holy Land are actually really small. Ding! They're like really pathetic. Just the way it is. Notice that God always chose like the most humble places. Like he did not chose the place that has like these huge carnations, like these huge roses. He chose a place that was very humble. And he loves that humble beauty. So uh, a lily is like the opposite of like the roses from Holy Land. A lily is a, fl- is a flower which is huge. Like it has like its petals are just like. It's all out. It's a be- beautiful, beautiful uh, flower. The reason I say is the reason the scripture puts in bloom like a lily refers to like you have to bloom where you're planted but also do as much good in the close area as you can there's a phrase of Josefina Baquita which I repeat a lot which is uh, I don't know how to help my superior it's one of her phrases Josefina Baquita was a slave who was kidnapped when she was I think seven or eight and she was so like shocked and so uh, psychologically wounded that she forgot her name. She herself forgot her name, which is pretty, pretty serious. She was scourged on a number of occasions. She was sold to a number of people. And after all that, as a religious, getting baptized, she becomes a religious. Uh, she becomes a member of a religious order. And one of her phrases was that, I don't know how to help my superior. In other words, her, like her, her, her worry was that she wasn't making life easy enough for those around her. Especially for those like husbands, think about making the life easy for your wife. Wives, think about making the life easy for your husband. A lot of times like as a spiritual director, especially the, to husbands, great husbands, I always say like, what does your wife think about that? Or I'll ask, okay, you want to do that? You want to fast? Okay. What does your wife think? Because a lot of times your wife can help you discern the Holy Spirit. It's true. God has placed you, God has put you both, has planted you together. God has planted you together and you have to, and you have to bear fruit and you have to put forth frankincense and you have to bloom together. That's what God, that's God's plan for you. And to, to, to do as much good, especially to those around you. Look, the other day we were, Father Matthew mentioned this. We went, my parents were celebrating, they're right here in the front, their 43rd wedding anniversary. And they, they took us out to eat with the brothers and we, were, we went to end up to going to like some Luna place. It was called, name, anyway. We went out to eat and it was like a very Southern, we wanted like catfish. So they had recommended this as a good catfish place. Anyway, uh, we were there 
And uh, we were talking, there was a bunch of us, so seven meals, each of them, you know, wasn't that cheap. And uh, at the end, we asked for the, the, the ticket to pay for the food. And uh, they say, oh, don't worry about it. Robbie, one of the guys here, has paid, for your has paid for your meal of all of you. And he's left. Notice what a beautiful act that is. You know, he doesn't know us. He just thought we were priests. My mom had said hi to him and asked him like, what he recommended on the menu. But he decided to pay for all of us. For all of us. And you can say, wow, that, what a beautiful act. That's great, that's great. Well, you're supposed to be doing things like that every day for your wife and for your husband. Like every single day. Who was it? Who was that saint who said, I feed, I feed uh, five beggars a day, four children and my husband. <laughs> and I feed them for free. And there's another one. There's another one of, of, of uh, uh, Scott Hahn. Kimberly Hahn, there's a phrase that's like, uh, they're like, what are you doing? Because she's a mother, and her husband like, gives these conferences around the world. I've actually heard that her talks are actually better than his. So if you think Scott Hahn is Kimberly is a, is a powerhouse. But one of her phrases, which I love, is, oh, he's, he's, like, he's, yeah, he's doing stuff, but I'm changing the world one diaper at a time. <laughs> it's, it may say, like, haha, that's funny, but she's true. She is spot on. She's spot on. Look, one of the... I'm already like past my deadline, this is just what it is. I haven't actually said, I had like three stories in mind, I haven't said any of them yet. This is just, this is the way it is. God, the, God does other things while we try to do certain things. I think, it's, I think it's beautiful how, I wanted to say how, like sometimes you forget like the spirituality. This spirituality is the true spirituality. Like don't think, don't, grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Like bloom with your crosses, with your defects, with your husband's defects, you know, with all of that. That's where you have to bloom. I think it's interesting because, uh, you know Bishop Van Thuan, you might have heard of him. He was in jail for nine years. He, was a, a, he had a bishop of like a booming diocese, and he finds himself in jail, like with no contact with anybody. But for me, he's an example of blooming wherever you're planted. He's a great example. Why? Because he, uh, you know, they, uh, they started to send him like... Uh, Guards to like watch over him. He would celebrate mass every day by using like drops of wine that he snuck in. And if you find out his way, he started to write down scripture verses that he remembered. I think he wrote down several thousand. You know, he had like a lot of scripture in his heart to begin with, which is beautiful. But I, I, lo I love this detail that they actually had, because he was like blooming so much, they actually had to stop changing his guard. Why? Because everyone who was with him, even if it was like a week, they would end up converting and they would start not only believing the faith, but they would start singing songs. Like they would go to like the barracks and they would be singing like come Holy Spirit because they liked the way it sounded in Latin. In other words, they were scared of him converting all of Vietnam one soldier at a time. They were scared. So they said, look, just give him one, one, one person to become like a fervent Catholic and they'll like convert him, but that way he won't convert all of us. But this is, this is the spirituality that we're talking about. And don't think it won't arrive. Like the faith you had and the things you are doing, like I say in this way, with tears coming to my eyes, what you're doing, God knows what you're doing, and it has effects. Like changing those diapers is very powerful. Do not underestimate what you're doing in secret. Do not underestimate what you're blooming and what you're planting in secret. It will bear fruit. 
Look, there's, there's a saint, Maria de Agreda, you probably don't know about her. She's not canonized, I don't care, it doesn't matter. Saints are saints. And Mother Angelica is the same, a cloistered nun who gets her fragrance, gets to all the ends of the earth and has more influence than all the bishops of America. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And the detail is that Maria de Agreda is a saint, a contemplative saint who's like in a cloister, who's less used, like he doesn't have like her kids. You know, it's not, you think, okay, this is totally useless. Look, she's in a cloister and she starts having ecstasy when she receives communion. Like she starts falling to ecstasy like the girls in Garabandal. They're looking up just like in ecstasy. And the, one of the nuns like decides the superior ends up opening the convent so that people can watch her in ecstasy. And it was becoming a public spectacle and tons of people were coming to watch it. Her spiritual director said, this is ridiculous. This is not what a contemplative nun is supposed to be doing. So pray to God, Maria de Agreda, pray to God that this stop happening. So she prays to God with faith and it stops. End of story. Como, as they say in Spanish, muerte el perro, se acabó la rabia. Like the dog dies, there's no more rabies. Like it's over. So she, there wasn't a problem anymore. Great. So, but the detail is that not only, uh, she stopped having ecstasy publicly, but she started, uh, you're like, okay, so it looked like she had like a normal existence from then on. Years later, they found out when that stopped happening, she started to bilocate. <laughs> she started to bilocate on a regular, on a regular occasion. The reason I say this is, the reason I say this with so much emphasis is because if you are growing spiritually, if you are growing in sanctity, what you're doing will reach others. Like, I throw myself into the, I throw myself to do a posit, and don't think, oh, I'm not holy, I can't do a posit. Look, do as much as you can. But first with those in your family. First with those who are, first with your family, first for your own soul. Like, water your own soul, this is so important. But notice that she was watering her own soul, she was growing in sanctity like behind the closet, everyone didn't know that she was doing anything interesting anymore. But she was bilocating to our country. She was bilocating to New Mexico on a regular basis. When the Jesuits arrived, or whoever it was, who arrived to that area, they said they came to her speaking in, in I don't know if it's Spanish or quoting, I don't know what language they were using, but they were saying to us, baptize us. And they're like, what do you mean baptize us? Do you know what baptism is? Oh yeah, we know what baptism is. And they started to describe this lady with a blue veil, like, sound like our lady, they're like, yeah, she told us everything. She gave us these rosaries. She made this for us. She's like been helping us out. She was bilocating so much that she like would bring them rosaries she had made. Okay? She was, not only that, they were all, they asked them, okay, but do you know the faith? They started to ask them about the faith. They all knew everything. They're, they were just waiting for the sacraments. They just needed a priest. That's all they needed, a priest. They had everything else. They had everything else. It's interesting, the reason we know that it's actually was her, it wasn't Our Lady, is because they described there was somebody, some of the priests who were there, some of the people there, ended up meeting her in Spain. And they're like, wait a second, are you this person? And she, under obedience, you can make religious do a lot of things. So she ended up telling them what had happened, like how she was bilocating. And the proof for it was also on the altar, on the altar cloths, she would actually knit animals and plants, flowers and roses from New Mexico. So like there were images from New Mexico before there were any, anyone from New Mexico that had gone, before anyone had discovered New Mexico. <clears throat> Look, the last, the last phrase, I'm not gonna get into this, but it says, scatter your fragrance and sing a hymn of praise. So now we're gonna, I've already gone over the, the schedule or whatever, but now we're gonna go upstairs and we're gonna beg the Lord to do these things in our lives. To beg the Lord that we might truly like bloom where we're planted. To be the flower that God wants us 
And if God wants you in the home of the mother, great. Stay here. <laughs> Don't be discerning anymore. If God wants you in any other spirituality, wherever the Lord plants you. Because it's not about, it's not about uh, making like, grabbing people and saying like, you're with me. No, 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 no. Everyone has to bloom where they're planted. Wherever the Lord wants you to bleed, that's where you have to bloom. Amen?